welcome to Beyond the Wall, Más Allá del Muro, a bilingual podcast where we dive into muralism and public art, getting to know it on a deeper level as we learn about the people, process, and philosophy behind the work. I'm your host, Shannon McAvoy, recording from Santiago, Chile. Today on the podcast, we have the incredible artist Gary Drossel. Back in February, I had the pleasure of interviewing Gary. Based in Southeast London, Gary Drossel has over 30 years of experience in public art, working primarily with painting and mosaic techniques. His mosaic work in particular has won several prestigious awards and gained international recognition. He has completed major commissions in Iowa, Chicago, California, and Washington, D.C. Gary has also worked on community projects in Chile and Colombia. In addition, Gary continues to create major public artworks at his home in London, including commissions for Transport for London, Chester City Council, London Borough of Bexley, the Royal College of General Practitioners, and many more. I met Gary at the first International Urban Mosaic Intervention in Chile in 2014, and later that year we both participated in the second biennial of muralism and public art in Cali, Colombia. Gary is a much-awaited and requested guest for this podcast, and it's an honor to have him on. I've divided our conversation into two parts, and in this first half, we go into Gary's beginnings as a muralist and mosaic artist. Gary also talks about where he gets his artistic inspiration, and we dive into the stories behind two of his major works, a floor mosaic and a public mosaic sculpture. Please welcome Gary Drossel. Hi, Gary. Well, thank you so much for being here today for the Beyond the Wall podcast. It is an extreme pleasure and honor to have you with us. You are just such a well-renowned artist, and I, I'm really grateful that you're taking the time to speak with us today. It's just going to be such a treat for our listeners. So thank so. you again. <laughs> Pardon me? I don't want to bore them too much. <laughs> no, it's going to be it's going to be super interesting. I feel like yeah. I was preparing well, for nice this. It's nice to talk to you anyway. It's a good break for my day. Yeah, yes, it is a good break. Good to catch up. And mm-hmm. um, as I was preparing for this podcast, you just have so much work. I feel like we could talk, I don't know, <laughs> 10 episodes <laughs> with all the stuff <laughs> that you have that you have been creating. It's so amazing. Exactly. We're going to no audience left by the end of it. <laughs> I know, I know. No, but we're so I'm just excited to, you know, pack as much amazing content and what we can hear from you in in this episode today. So, well, yes. Yeah, so I think what would be good for our listeners, if you could tell us a little bit about, first of all, for those that may not be familiar with your work, what kind of public art that you do? Okay, so yeah, I do mostly public works, mm-hmm. sort of large. I try to do sort of large scale stuff. I still paint murals, but generally nowadays it's mostly mosaics. Mm-hmm. And I also do mosaic sculptures as well when I get the chance. Yes, yes. And those, <laughs> those are really cool too. Mm-hmm. Um, thank you. And can you tell us a little bit about, well, I, I saw you have a little a bit explained about this on your website, and I thought it would be really interesting for our listeners to hear about kind of some of the inspirations for your work. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, there's kind of different layers of, of uh, inspiration, you know, so uh-huh. I think that the basic 
inspiration and reason why I do the kind of work I do is because I really wanted to work on the street. I went to art college and all that stuff and I was quite disillusioned with what I saw as the gallery system for artists. I was a painter at that time and I wanted to do work, you know, on the street murals and stuff. So the main the driving force behind what I'm doing is doing stuff in public and talking yes. to people. Uh, as a kind of run on from there, there's the whole thing of, because making something site specific, it's the inspiration of the specific site. Mm -hmm. So a lot of my work, I will start off with a lot of research into the local area and that could take the form of like archive historic research talking to the local community maybe engaging with the community in some way or developing ideas that are specific to that site mm -hmm. so that's kind of where yeah for sure my focus is yeah as far as external influences that comes from all over the place but I'm particularly interested in you know like the British Museum is my museum yeah in London it's the one I go back to again and again and it's I'm really interested in sort of Egyptian Greek art and obviously the Roman stuff Fun, although I was before I really got into mosaics I did classics and studied mosaics and stuff like that so yeah but uh, all the all sort of ancient art really inspires me yes and I really see that that inspiration from like ancient Greek Roman mosaics make mm. its way into the style of your work at least from my perspective mm. I can I can really see that it's, and it's really amazing how you've um, kind of put a modern twist on on that ancient style it's really cool yeah, a bit difficult to beat those romans <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, I imagine you mean like they what In do you terms mean of like, the, just the, the the beauty of not the beauty of the mosaics but they're also the the way they are designed and the, the way they're constructed is very economical you know you look from sure. a spectator's view they look like incredibly complex and complicated but from a mosaic builder's point of view they're quite easy not not easy easy but you mm -hmm. know they've got they're quite simple in the way they're built okay so it's technically it's very interesting that style oh okay nice <laughs> yes I, I didn't think about all of those I, those are you talking about the floor mosaics or wall mosaics yeah. or both well, are you, any classical sure roman or greek mosaic there's kind of rules to how the tesserae are cut and laid uh -huh. and for me it's all about they're very much about economy and mm -hmm. doing something that looks as complicated as they can and impressive as they can make it but not putting too much work into it yeah. the big thing about mosaics is it's a really laborious long job and yeah. If you're doing it as the Romans would have been doing as a, as a business, uh -huh. you want to keep your labor costs down mm -hmm. and keep, but keep your client happy. So, 
something that looks complicated but it's easy to make is fantastic <laughs> I love that and I want to I want to come back to that a little more yeah yeah and a yes. little bit here um that's awesome and also so you you mentioned a little bit about kind of how you got sort of a little bit how you got started with public art like shortly mm -hmm. after graduating from from art school from college mm -hmm. and can you walk us through a little bit more of your journey maybe I don't know your your first yeah. commission or first project and kind of how it how it grew and became uh, and how you yeah. became who you are today grew and then collapsed and then grew <laughs> and then collapsed again and then grew again and <laughs> well that's yeah, yeah that, that, that's and that can it. happen yeah, yeah, that's, uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, basically I left art college. I actually, I didn't know quite what to do. You know, art college doesn't really train you for any practical jobs. Mm -hmm. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I knew I wanted to do public stuff, but I didn't really know how I could do that. And the funny thing is I actually went to a job centre mm -hmm. to sign on unemployed, okay. get me social security check okay. and they offered me a job painting murals in hospitals on a sort of government scheme Amazing. so I it's a one-year project and uh -huh. I went on that I ended up staying there three years I think because yeah. after doing it a year I then became one of the managers and, blah, blah, blah. Awesome. Uh, and that was amazing so for just painting murals in local hospitals yeah from there I then teamed up with a a few other artists on that project and we started painting large-scale murals mm -hmm. in North London. Then that that kind of dissolved and me and uh, an Irish artist Ruth Priestley carried on to try and do murals ourselves uh -huh. and the funny thing is we got a job to paint a mural it was about four meters by four meters yep and as we were going through the design consultation process, the commissioner as a local authority said, mm, how long will this last? And I said, well, we can only guarantee it for five years because that's how long paint manufacturers guarantee their paints for. Okay. And then somebody, one of the people on the consultation meeting said, maybe we could have a mosaic. They last a long time. And rather than lose the job, we just said, yeah, okay, we can do that. Yeah. Wait, you so don't you have any to... idea how to make mosaics or anything. Oh, <laughs> oh my gosh, you so didn't know what kind of arms you mosaic was me? a four meter by four meter public work. I went yeah. from nothing to that. And wow. I made it in my dad's loft, in the loft at my parents' house, uh -huh. which was a bit crazy at the time. But yeah. yeah. So that, I, saw, I saw some pictures of that. That one's called... This, uh, I think it's called Sunburst, the light at the end of the tunnel. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, because it was in an underpass. So you could see it as a really big underpass. And you could actually see it from the end, you know, looking uh -huh. through the tunnel. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. The funny thing is, it didn't like, you know, they changed it from a painted mural to a mosaic because they wanted it to last 100 years or whatever more. Uh -huh. But... In actual fact, the tunnel was filled in after 10 years, so it doesn't oh. exist anymore. Well, it's still there, but it's buried. Oh, my goodness. Well, yeah. you know, 
you never know. Nothing, nothing in this life is permanent. And yeah, one day it might get dug up. Who knows? Yeah, maybe it, it, there could be an archaeological excavation and your mural could be found just like the Roman murals. <laughs> the Greek yeah, murals. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, so th- theoretically, it could yeah, still last a really long time anyway, even yeah, buried. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. And, and so with the timing of that, though, I mean, I, this was your first time doing a mosaic. So did you have issues with your budget and timing because of just uh, learning how to do it? Yeah, I think I had issues with everything. Um, okay how to do it budget timing I mean we we charged more for the mosaic than we did for the the mural was going to be Uh but um yeah we had no idea really how long it was going to take and in fact as we were putting it up a very rare hurricane hit London right in the middle of the installation so that caused huge problems a hurricane Uh, yeah I've never heard of a hurricane hitting London ever. Yeah, it was very unusual. Lots of trees down everywhere and chaos and stuff like that. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Added to our technical difficulties. Yes. Oh my gosh. What an adventure though. Mm, Yeah, it was great. And not looked back since really, since then I've just been like really crazy about mosaics. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. And Perfect, perfect. So was that after the Wallscapes? Yeah, no, it was kind of the beginning of Wallscapes. But then the artist I was working with then shortly afterwards moved back to Ireland. Okay. Uh, and then I teamed up with a guy that I used to be at college with when uh-huh. I was at art college. Uh-huh. Okay. So we worked for, as Wallscapes together for about 10 years. Okay. And doing, were you doing primarily mosaic or entirely mosaic during that time? No, it was probably, I mean, it's gradually got more and more. So at the beginning, it was mostly murals with the odd mosaic. Mm-hmm. And then by the end of that 10 years of wallscapes, we were, you know, eight, 75% mosaic probably. Okay, and what year was that, like, kind of the end of Wallscapes, about? Uh, uh, 2000, I think. About 2000, okay, perfect. And I forgot to ask, but can you remind me of the year that you made Sunburst? Oh, God, I think it was 1990. 1990? Only 10 years before that, yeah. Yeah, about then. Okay, super cool. So, yeah, I I think it was also memorable because we finished it the week Nelson Mandela was freed oh. from prison. So I remember that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's a, a beautiful coincidence too. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Maybe really it's cool. sticking my head. For sure. For sure. <laughs> and then since 2000 around there, you built your, your own studio, right? Yeah. 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 Can uh, you Rob, t- Rob, who I worked with as Wallscapes, mostly Rob Turner. We decided to go on separate ways. Mm-hmm. Again, you know, because of the ups and downs of trying to earn a living making sure. mosaic. Sure. So, yeah, since 2000, been doing it basically as me. Mm-hmm. Cool. And you have a team now too, right? Yeah, well, I've got Claire, who's worked for me for most of that time, but definitely more than 15 years. Okay. She's my sort of 
I was going to say studio manager, but she's more than that because her work's exactly like mine. So okay, I kind of trained her from the beginning. Yeah. So I can just do a bit and I can say to her things like, oh, can you just finish that thingy off in the same style? And she'll just right. do it without any any join if you like right no I think it's really amazing when you look at the works that you've been creating there it's totally seamless it looks it's the same hand and you have it's amazing how you've been able to train other artists to work in your same exact style um yeah yeah yeah. I mean it hasn't I I say that yeah Claire's worked for me all that time and we uh, our work is indistinguishable really Uh um so she's sort of the core person when I have to do all the other rubbish you have to do like paperwork and tax she can just be plodding along carrying on making Uh but other people come in and go as work permits you know Mm -hmm. but some of them have had quite a big influence on me and changed the way I work so Julia Volkrig who came to work for me I don't know that's probably got over 10 years ago now maybe more She's a graduate from Spilenburgo, the mosaic school in Spilenburgo. Oh, yes, yes. So right. she actually changed the way I worked, you know. Okay. The first, I remember yeah. on the first, almost her first day uh-huh. starting, she came and looked at all my ammo and hardies. Yes. It was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, what did you have to do? What did you have to change? And yeah, she, uh, they were too sharp. The hardies were too sharp. Oh. Uh, do you know Hamon Hardy? It's yes, like the, I, I do. Yes, yeah. I can put a link in the show notes maybe for someone to yeah. see. Were, the Hardys were too sharp. Just as a little side note, the hammer and Hardy are tools that mosaic artists use to cut glass and stone, I think. But I really see it a lot with Smalty. And it's like this little metal chisel that you install in some kind of wooden stump and then you have a hammer that you use to hit uh, to break the glass or stone by putting it on top of the little chisel and then hammering down on it that's like the most basic description that I could give for one yes oh gosh they need to be slightly dull I didn't know that I just got them as they came from the shop Right, right. Also, also, she had a big influence in terms of how we use color, interpreting designs and all all sorts of things. And just generally like raising the bar, I think, for us. Sure. Yeah. No, that's the Spilenburgo style. Right. Yes. I know that's a very prestigious mosaic school and it's it's great. Of course, we're, we're always influencing one another. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. So. I think one of the, actually one of the, the things that for me, I distinguish between the whole mural side uh-huh. and the mosaics yeah. is how collaborative mosaic artists are. Mm-hmm. You know, how because we're working on big projects that take a lot of labor. Yes. There's a lot of toing and flying of people helping each other. Mm-hmm. everyone getting together to work on a project I can bring people in and it's much more like a community for me anyway the mural side didn't feel like such a a community of people that will help you know it's great 
Yeah, I know. I know what you mean, right? Because with with a lot of murals, the painted ones, while they can be collaborative, it's it's not as necessary. It's almost mm. necessary a lot of times with mosaic to have yeah, yeah. I couldn't people do involved. some of the big work without help. Right. Right. I'd go, I'd go mad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, we would not Much. want that. Yeah, like no, breaking rocks in prison. <laughs> oh my god. No, you, it, it is really fun because sometimes part of mosaic is kind of mindless too. Can be yeah. mindless, so yeah, you can just plodding talk along with people yeah. and yeah. while you're doing it. I did have a phase of thinking I could learn a foreign language while I was yeah. working because well, yeah, <laughs> I couldn't do it. I tried. I tried putting tapes on and yeah. stuff. And yeah. Yeah, it just didn't work. <laughs> I kept losing track and concentrating too much on the mosaic. Well, that's one thing I noticed about your work. Let's let's switch for a little bit. Your work is so fascinating. And to me, it seems like it's so mathematical and that you would mm -hmm. really need a lot of this focus, not only in the design stage, but in the fabrication of it, it just seems to require so much concentration from my perspective. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think it does. I think one of the things for me is that I want to still keep a lot of creativity in the making of the mosaic. Mm -hmm. So once I've done a design, my designs are actually pretty rough. I mean, they're drawn in, in, in colour. Sure. But they're usually a fairly small scale compared to the finished piece. Okay. And so when you actually come to blowing it up and making it mosaic, there's a lot of interpretation you have to do. Yep. It's not in the design. And okay. I really like that. I really like the fact that I have to figure out, oh, you know, how, how am I going to do that in mosaic? Yeah. So, yeah, you do have to keep thinking about how the bits fit together, what colours you're using and mixes and stuff like that. Sure. <laughs> Makes and it fun. it's fun it makes it fun yeah because uh, you're having to keep thinking it's no, not too formulaic sure that's for sure that it's kind of always unfolding it's kind of unfolding yeah, as you, yeah. you don't know exactly how it's going to look before yeah, it's finished yeah. that would be a cool part of the discovery process of making it yeah i was thinking you were using some kind of mathematical geometry <coughs> formulas or something no. to make things like your koi ponds for example which you're so yeah. known for you don't use any formulas no, there's, or no there's no formulas no maths <laughs> no no <laughs> In fact, how do you just, get it just recently somebody's asked me to do a geometric floor like yeah. a the islamic pattern kind of floor okay and um that's really testing me <laughs> testing my geometry and maths Ah, but so okay. normally no, it's just coloring pencils and then yeah. trying to interpret that in mosaic. It's for, quite loose. Yes. Ah, okay. I guess wow. the reason a lot of my work appears to have that geometric thing is because I quite like patterns. Yes. I find that I'm drawn towards making patterns in mosaic. Yeah. Probably just because of its building you know squares and triangles and yes I noticed in one work you have a pattern I think it was the redwoods mosaic and you had an overlapping leaf pattern oh yeah yeah, of the, yeah. like the redwood forest floor can yeah. you remind us what hospital that's in that's in um 
Stanford, the Lucille Packard Children's Hospital in Stanford. Yes. Okay. California. Cool. It's amazing. Um, yeah, that that actually was quite an interesting job because they asked me to do floor mosaic, mm-hmm. and the theme was a redwood forest. So for ages, I couldn't think. God, how am I going to do these? Like the most gigantic trees that are all about the kind of verticalness on the floor. Oh my gosh, yes. And it, it took ages. So I, I was in front of a pit and just nothing. <laughs> all the sketches I did were just not big enough and not vertical enough. Sure, sure. So, yeah, and then I actually went on a trek through Red, Redwood Forest and noticed how actually red the floor is. Mm-hmm. Because of all the fallen leaves, they just mm-hmm. have this amazing red color. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, then I picked up on that and it became about the forest floor rather than and ignore the trees. <laughs> yeah, I, I love how you arrived at that, you know, at that new interpretation. You had that insight to, yeah. you know, to stop struggling with something, an idea that didn't really seem to be working and kind of take a step back. You went to the place and got new inspiration and yeah. it turned out really. Yeah, I really beautiful. did just sit in the forest. and Yeah. In fact, I rented an Airbnb right in the middle of the forest. And just Gorgeous. That just sounds spectacular. <laughs> yeah, it was good fun. Oh um, but that developing, there's a pattern that runs through that. It's the mosaics in 10 panels mm-hmm. and the, the fallen leaf pattern runs through the whole thing. So for that, Mm-hmm. It did develop a kind of formula, although it's not mathematically laid out, but it had it had rules, you know, like oh. there was the green leaf was on top and then sure. the orange leaf was underneath and then the red leaf was underneath and then the brown leaf was underneath that. So there okay. was kind of a layering thing going on and a re- repeat leaf patterns are always the same. Sure. But they were kind of done randomly. Okay. Uh, but that was crazy amount of work on that. That was like every every so often because it took quite a long time to make. Yeah. I'd be thinking, what am I doing, <laughs> making this crazy pattern? Because it was so complicated. Yeah. And it was um, the twenty mil tiles cut into thirds lengthways. So it's a much smaller pieces than I'd normally use. I thank you. Can you can you explain twenty mil tiles? What is that? Can you? Can That's you the kind of one-inch tiles that you know, okay. or three-quarter inch actually. Okay, three three-quarter inch. Three-quarter inch square. That's the usual tiles I use. But then you cut um, them into smaller pieces. I cut them into three, oh, okay. vertically into three, so three thin pieces. Yeah. Okay. For this, you, you did that for the leaf pattern. Normally, I cut them in half. Yeah. Got it. Got is it. That my sort of distinctive. That tile cut in half, which gives you that kind of 20 by 10 mil rectangle. Okay. And I so, tend to lay it all in lines, choo-choo uh-huh. trains, as I'm told off for quite often. <laughs> choo-choo trains? Who says they're yeah. choo-choo trains? It's quite often taught as one of the things that you don't do is lay tiles almost like railway tracks. Right, right. I have little rectangles and they just all run in lines. Okay. I think of them as like brush strokes, but some people don't like it because they think it's like train tracks, choo-choo trains. 
Okay, oh, yes, I'm, well, to, e to each. There, there is a reason why it's not a good thing to do, but there's also reasons why it's a good thing to do. Yes, and I think as an artist, you know, intentionally breaking the rules exactly, or yeah. picking which rules you follow is yeah. a good thing. <laughs> so that must be, maybe I, I'm thinking if you have a way of working with, you almost always use the exact same size of tile, maybe that also yeah. contributes to how it looks so uniform and mathematical. I yeah, 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 yeah. Which kind of is based on the classical thing anyway. I mean, Romans... Yeah. Would always use this as uh, the same size cube sure throughout the whole mosaic so mm -hmm. i'm using a different shape a sort of rectangle shape but yeah the same principle yeah oh cool also when we were talking about the patterns i i just had a brief thought have you been inspired by mc escher at all or no i wouldn't say escher okay. particularly or pattern stuff yeah, yeah i mean there's a lots of other inspiration i guess inspired quite a lot by fabric patterns fabric patterns oh yes yeah. because your mother worked in fabrics yeah. and textiles yeah. right yeah my mum my mum was a dressmaker embroiderer all that kind of stuff okay. and um cool yeah, cool. <laughs> yeah i can see that in but the... all, i also find it a good way to link because i'm working on a lot of community projects where you're trying to reflect the community but at the same time I'm trying to not use kind of stereotype images or you know not mm. be too obvious so mm. I find looking at fabric patterns is a really good inroad into different cultures and different sort of you know inspirations like that. Yes, I agree with that. And you have one sculpture that's kind of like twisted rope. Uh, and that's, yeah. from what I remember, that that's, has different patterns. That's right? all about that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was totally. And um, maybe, maybe. That's one of my favorite jobs, I think, really. Let's talk a little more about it then, because I want to, <laughs> we want to talk about the highlights. Tell us yeah. about that project. Um, what was it called? It was called Entwined Histories. Yeah, no, it was quite a nice job because it was on the site of the old rope works that produced all the thousands and thousands of miles worth of rope for the London docks when ships used to be all rope, you know, mm -hmm. like every single sailing ship had miles and miles of rope on it. Yeah. So that was the origin of the idea was the, the rope makers, but, mm -hmm. you know, the rope makers is long gone and now it's a housing estate. Okay. And one of the things about housing estate in that part of London is a very multicultural mm -hmm. and that, that kind of multicultural dimension of that area goes really a long way back because this is a very sort of working class area of London where if you're a man, you probably worked in the docks and if you're a woman, you worked in the textile factories okay. in the area. And so people have migrated and settled in that part of London, partly because they arrived on boats since the Irish weavers in the sort of 16th century and the, oh, wow. and the French Huguenots coming over and, you know, different groups, the Ashkenazi Jewish settlers in the East End of London, mm -hmm. they all kind of arrived and brought with them their own sort of culture and 
I was looking at obviously fabric patterns. So the idea was for each strand of the rope to represent a different one of those communities. Beautiful. By using their fabric patterns. And I thought it was a really good, I was really happy with it because for me, it represented that the, the each community kept its identity in mm -hmm. that pattern, mm -hmm. but because they were all entwined together, they, they were like stronger together. Yeah. That's the kind of... Ah, right. Like the kind yeah. of like the the metaphor or whatever of you know you can exactly break yeah. one stick by itself, but if you yeah. have a bundle, you can't break yeah. the bundle. Yeah. Kind of. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of how rope works, isn't it? Yes, that's that's beautiful both conceptually and it it, it we'll put the link in the show notes because it's also a beautiful aesthetically as well and. Yeah. really really cool to hear a little more about the the history or behind that so yeah to me it worked on lots of levels on that sort of symbolic level and the look of it and the connection with the rope work yard and that's it was good fun to make yeah <laughs> and and also I mean as a sculpture that's kind of a that's you know another level of another look yeah it's it must be more challenging than pardon me it's another another level of craziness yeah yeah because you got to make the sculpture first and then you still <laughs> got to do the mosaic yeah oh my gosh and the sculpture the the base of the sculpture what is what is it it made of um so basically it's a stainless steel armature Sure. goes up the center okay. and bolts it to the floor mm -hmm. but then the, the actual form is made of um styrofoam polystyrene yeah yeah and which then... is just car carved with a chainsaw yeah like edward scissorhands yeah completely covered in bubbles of polystyrene for <laughs> oh gosh and then um yeah and then it's covered in glass reinforced cement and yeah. then mosaic on top of that yeah amazing amazing really cool it's a nice way to work yeah i like yeah. it but it gets a bit expensive because it's you've got the whole thing of making the the, the form and then mm. still the cost of mosaic on top oh yeah oh gosh, so it's yes. a lot of square meterage of mosaic on a three-dimensional form that too that too well but totally you know totally worth it for those that can afford it, totally worth it. Uh, yeah. Yes, awesome. Okay, so that's the awesome first half. And here are the incredible takeaways that we have. So, number one. Due to the slow and laborious nature of mosaic, large-scale mosaic projects are generally more collaborative than painted murals. We mosaic artists form an enthusiastic, supportive, and generous community. Number two, even when not in Rome, do as the Romans do. It's awesome if you can make a mosaic that looks complicated, but is actually very simple. Number three, you can make your work look more classical, precise, and mathematical by using patterns, and also by using mosaic pieces of all the same size. Number four, just like Gary with his mosaic tile choo-choo trains or brush strokes, you as an artist have the right to intentionally break the art rules or to choose which art rules you follow. Number five, 
Fabric patterns can be a great way to represent a cultural community's identity without being too obvious or using stereotype images. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Beyond the Wall, Masaya del Muro. We love that you're here. In the show notes, I've put links to Gary's artworks that we mentioned in this episode. And also remember, you can find Gary at his website at drossel.com. And for more behind the scenes of Gary's work, you can find him on Instagram at Gary Drossel. Also remember to stay tuned for the second half of this conversation with Gary. It's really interesting, so I'm excited for you guys to hear that too. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to support the show, you can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthewall.muralpodcast. Sharing this episode with a friend and leaving a review are more ways that you can spread the love. Finally, you can support us at my Patreon page for exclusive benefits related to the podcast. Find me at patreon.com forward slash Shannon McAvoy. Have a great day and see you next time. Thank you.